I'm Randall Mintz with Anchor 7 Livestock in Vernon, Texas. You're listening to the latest news in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. We are locked, loaded, and ready to roll with another edition of Texas Ag Today. Why don't you jump on in with me and buckle up? We're going to take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. In the news today, the condition of our nation's cotton crop continues to decline. Of course, we know that's the case here in Texas, but it's happening all across the cotton belt. We'll have more on that coming up to kick off today's show. My name is Kerry Martin. I'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the piney woods of East Texas to the rocky ranges of the Trans-Pecos. And from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. In the final weeks of this difficult growing season in the Texas High Plains, some area farmers have had issues with weather that's been a bit on the warm side. I'm James Hunt, and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today. U.S. red meat and specifically Texas beef both have wide-ranging export opportunities into Africa as population growth explodes on the second largest continent in the world. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and I'll have that report on Texas Ag Today. Cotton harvest is nearly complete in the Central Texas Blackland region. This is Dr. Shane McClellan, and I'll have more from Waco. We'll have those stories, plus Texas wildlife news, and a complete look at the markets all coming up. USDA's latest condition ratings for the nation's cotton crop continue to decline. Ag Department meteorologist Brad Rippey says what's left of our crop here in Texas is leading the way down. In terms of cotton condition, largely due to another decline in Texas, we saw the national numbers declining this week. Just 31% of the U.S. cotton crop rated good to excellent, 42% very poor to poor. A week ago, those numbers were 33% good to excellent and 39% very poor to poor. Texas and other areas of the Great Plains largely driving that very low condition number. In Texas, 61% of the cotton currently rated very poor to poor. That's up from last week's 56%. We also see very high numbers on September 25th in the very poor to poor ratings for Oklahoma at 54% and Kansas at 49%. Cotton growers in the southeast are expecting to see some damage from Hurricane Ian with a large percentage of the bowls open in that area. More cattle are going into Texas feedlots. The latest cattle on feed report shows that cattle and calves on feed in Texas feedlots totaled 2.82 million head on September 1st. That is up 4% from a year ago. Cattle producers placed 430,000 head into Texas feedlots during August. That's up 9% from a year ago. Feedlots marketed 450,000 head during August, up 13% from a year ago. 
A big percentage of that jump in placements is lightweight cattle. And with so many of those lighter weight calves going into feedlots, does that mean we could be seeing a hole coming in the market in the future? Texas A&M's David Anderson. Well, I think if we look back in time, we'll often talk about holes. Uh, Those holes tend to get filled uh, because, you know, you can, well, you might not want to. You, You know, high prices can get you to move some fed cattle a little sooner. Maybe they're a little bit a little bit lighter than they otherwise would have been, but that that the price dictates that we're going to move them sooner. And so it tends to be that holes get filled. But but I think you are correct in thinking about the the big increase in real lightweight animals versus the number of of heavyweight animals that were placed and kind of the timing of that. The opportunity for that exists. Uh, I think if we look back to it, a lot of times they tend to get, those holes tend to get filled. But Anderson does think that record cattle prices are coming in the next couple of years due to so many beef cows being culled this year. Crops are in their final weeks of development on the Texas High Plains. And James Hunt tells us the temperatures have been a bit warm for that final crop development. We've gotten a little cooler in recent days, but on balance, this month of September has been warmer than usual here in the Texas High Plains. Tracking the daily National Weather Service data, there have been a number of days where our high temperatures were around 10 degrees or more above normal. For Dalhart area farmer Robert Gordon, it's been yet another issue in a difficult season. I would personally like to see a little cooler. We've had several days here recently, you know, in the Oh, mid-90s with uh, 20 mile an hour plus winds, uh, we don't like to see that because that uh, seems to dry out the corn a lot quicker than it really should dry out. You lose a little when it does that. Of course, the big weather challenge for Gordon this growing season has been lack of rain. But with the help of groundwater pumping, there will be some payoff for Gordon. Most of what we plant is corn for grain. It goes to local feed yards here, and it looks pretty good. It's not a bumper crop, but I think we've got a a decent crop. Um, We plant seed milo for uh, two different companies, and of course milo kind of likes the heat and everything, so the seed milo all looks pretty good, kind of anxious to get into it. I think we're going to have a decent year, just not a pin buster. Looking to the future, however, Gordon says his operation is having to find ways to use less irrigation, which means being more strategic in handling his crop rotation. We just make our acres match what water that we have. You know, we don't have an abundance of water, so we rotate it every year. So we'll plant winter wheat after the corn, then we harvest wheat next year, then we'll let that ground lay and then plant corn in it the following year. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. There is big potential for U.S. meat exports to Africa. Tom Nicoletti visits with an expert on exporting meat to that continent. My guest today is Matt Copeland. He is the U.S. Meat Export Federation's Africa representative. He is based in Durban, South Africa. So, Matt, Africa, huge continent. What is the market for red meat going into uh, many countries on that continent? Certainly, there are wide-ranging opportunities on the African continent. Variety meat space, both beef and pork, will over time become absolutely vital pieces of nutrition in Africans' diet. Up to the year 2100, we still expect the African continent to almost double in terms of its demographics. So how are they going to get access to cheap, affordable, quality nutrition? 
our farmers are going to have a massive amount of success over a long period of time there. And certainly right now, the continent can't rush out and buy USDA primes stakes at record highs. But we do have programs with some of the retailers to introduce ungraded white cow programs that are highly marbled versus the lean meat in market, as well as our top-end restaurants, top-end hotels, certainly have USDA prime steaks available. What is the market match for Texas beef in Africa? Certainly we see already flows of the variety meats out of Texas going into uh, South Africa, Angola, Gabon, Cote d'Ivoire, and some into Ghana and Mozambique. Obviously volumes can grow. Our market is about 1,000 to 1,500 tons short every month. The only complexity that is really difficult to solve is when you have a low-value item and you have these global freight prices doing what they're doing. It's really difficult to keep it cost-effective to ensure that the product can ship all the way from here to the tip of Africa. And if there is any normalization of freight, we'll see a whole bunch more Texas product exported. That is Matt Copeland. He is the Africa representative for the U.S. Meat Export Federation. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Cotton harvest is winding down in central Texas. Dr. Shane McClellan has an update from Waco. The wonderful rainfall we experienced a few weeks ago did delay our local cotton harvest. Cotton producers had to wait a few days for fields to dry out more before they resumed harvest. Several scattered thunderstorms seem to continue to be located over our primary cotton growing areas here in McLennan County. They have had two weeks of dry weather, and most are completing harvest now. Due to our lack of moisture, the cotton yields are well below last year's record harvest. Livestock pastures have greened up with a fresh growth of grass and weeds. After a drought, we always get a, a big flush of weeds. You can see our soil is starting to run out of moisture, though, as there's many hot spots popping up in our pastures. And what I refer to as a hot spot, is an area of soil that will dry out first. You can see the grass dries out first in that area. A very, very contrast to the areas around it. These areas are typically compacted, tight uh, type soils that have a low moisture carrying capacity. Just a sign that we need another rain. The last rainfall events we had were enough for some stock tanks to catch water, uh, but most still remain well below where we want them to be. There is a need for a large runoff type event uh, large rainfall to fill our stock tanks and the area lakes. We also have seen ryegrass emerging, a lot of cool season annuals coming up, but many of them are regressing, dying back just from a lack of supportive rainfall. It's normal for this time of year. Livestock producers continue to plant oats and wheat for grazing. The poor wheat and oat harvest we had this past year has led to a price spike in planting oat seed. It's hard to find oat seed out in the country. Uh, this early planting of oats and wheat for grazing is not the same planting as we would make for small grains for grain harvest. Our seed planting for grain harvest would be in mid-October to about mid-November if the weather is cooperating. Still too early to sling ryegrass, in my opinion. I would wait to put out ryegrass for grazing until about the 1st of October, just typically a wetter time of year. Until next time, this has been Dr. Shane McClellan from Waco with Texas Ag Today. Quail hunting season opens in just a few weeks. I'm Jessica Dolmel, and I'll have your quail hunting season forecast coming up on Texas Ag Today. And CBD is being studied for use in several animals, including cats. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today.
Texas A&M Forest Service is helping to protect lives, property, and livelihoods from wildfire. Dangerous wildfire weather conditions in the state can look like just any other day. Hot, dry, and windy. But a specific mix of weather factors can be conducive to a devastating wildfire outbreak. Learn what to look for. Listen to officials. Evacuate early. Your actions could help save your life, property, and livelihood. For more information on wildfire weather warnings, visit dicc.tamu.edu. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. CBD is being studied for use in several animals, including cats. Dr. Bob Judd takes a closer look. A study published in Feline Medicine and Surgery looked at the use of CBD in cats. This randomized, placebo-controlled, blinded study aimed to determine the safety and tolerability of increasing doses of cannabidiol and tetrahydrocannabidiol, or THC, alone or in combination in healthy cats. Twenty healthy adult cats were placed in one of five groups. THC is a psychoactive component of cannabidiol, which causes the effects of marijuana, and the doses were increased over a period of the experiment. Cats were monitored for adverse effects, and vital signs were recorded. Blood samples were collected, and the amount of CBD was analyzed hourly, up to six hours, and then at 24 hours. The final blood sample was at seven days after the last dose. All adverse effects were mild and did not require intervention, and the most common side effects were gastrointestinal, nervous system, and ocular. Some cases of vomiting and diarrhea occurred when just giving the MCT oil, so some of the gastrointestinal side effects could have been the carrier. Symptoms of lethargy and low body temperature were more commonly noted in the group containing the THC and CBD together. Lethargy was noted to last longer in the THC group, and when wobbling and walking was observed in all cats, administered the THC. CBD and THC in cats may be legal or illegal depending on the state laws in which you live. Like all of these CBD studies, this study was only for one week, and we do still not know the long-term effects on these animals. I'm veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Quail season is coming up soon. Jessica Dommel has this season's quail forecast in today's wildlife report. Quail hunting season is just a few weeks away, and I know many hunters are wondering, what will this season look like? John McLaughlin, Upland Game Bird Program Leader for the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department, joins us with more. Heading into last winter, I think we were all excited from the growing season rainfall we had last year, but unfortunately, once we hit December, we sort of started the long march into drought heading into 2022, and unfortunately, that extended all the way into the spring, and so overall for the state right now, the prospects for northern bobwhite are probably below average for much of the state, but we do have some bright spots, including South Texas, where last year, despite our low counts on our roadside count surveys, folks saw very good hunting opportunity. We're pushing 10, 20 cubbies, even late into the season last year. So we know that South Texas had pretty good carryover from 2021. And actually, our, our roadside counts were up in that part of the state. So I would say generally across the state for northern bobwhite, the, the prospects are probably below average. But if folks were looking for opportunities, South Texas, that area around McMullen, Duval, Live Oak counties is probably going to provide the best opportunity. 
McLaughlin says there are some areas where hunters will have fewer chances to bag a quail this season. At least for northern bobwhite hunters, the Rolling Plains is probably going to see poor success or below average success across most of that region. Unfortunately, we set a new record low on our roadside counts this year. While there's, of course, going to be spots of good hunting, depending on habitat, depending on rainfall conditions across that region, I would say generally that's probably not going to be the best bang for your puck. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. It's been a tough week for the cattle futures market, and Wednesday was no exception. Another lower close across the board on both live and feeder cattle. We'll take a closer look at all of Wednesday's livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. Parenting is full of surprises. You never know what to expect. So after our son was born, I called my Texas Farm Bureau insurance agent to set up a life insurance policy in case something happened to me. Sawyer is now two. And we'll soon have a sister. There's no one else I would trust with protecting my family. Visit Texas Farm Bureau Insurance today at tfbinsurance.com for an agent you can trust with life's most important decisions. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. The tough week for the cattle futures market continues. Another lower close on Wednesday for both live and feeder cattle. October live cattle dropped 52 cents to close at 143.05. December down 62, 146.27. The February down 67 at 150.17. Feeder cattle, same story. September feeders down 32 cents, 175.37. The October down $1.12 at 175 even. November feeder cattle dropped a dollar, 175.27. Cash fed cattle market seeing some light sales so far this week. Here in the South, we've sold cattle at 143. That's steady with last week's trade. When you look up north, Nebraska seeing a few live sales at 145 but not enough for a market trend. Boxed beef prices mixed Wednesday. Choice up 40 cents, 248.83. Select down $1.29 at 219.92. Now let's check the auction barns. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. My guest today is Riley Rhodes, Live Oak Livestock Three Rivers. Sales them every Monday. Riley, how did Monday sale go? Pretty good, Larry. Ended up with a few more than what we talked about last night. Uh, ended up with 1,158 head. Uh, market, uh, probably a little cheaper across the board. Cow, cow market was about like it was uh, last week, uh, but lightweight cows, uh, not quite as active as they have been the last few weeks, and the yardlands maybe a couple cents lower. Uh, had a handful of pairs, nothing too special. Uh, had a couple, couple good ones, 875 to 1550. Uh, bread cows, 775 up to 1100. Packer cows, 78 to 86 on your high-yielding cows, 74 to 82 on your breakers, uh, 34 to 60 on your canners. High-yielding packer bulls, 94 up to a dollar. Uh, low to medium-yielding bulls, 74 to 94. Two to three-weight choice steers, 160, uh, 184 to 206. Heifer mates, 170 to 182. Three to four-weight choice steers, 182 to 204. Heifer mates, 164 to 178. Four to five-weight choice steers, 178 to two dollars. Heifer mates, 162 to 174. Five to six-weight choice steers, 170 to 192. The heifers, 152 to 170. Six to seven weight cattle your steers 150 to 164 and the heifers 140 to 154 and a seven to eight weight uh, cattle your choice steers 150 
140. Let's see, uh, 138 to 156, and the heifer mates 132 to 144. So uh, got along pretty good. You know, like I said, maybe just a hair cheaper, two to four in spots. Uh, maybe some of the lesser quality calves, uh, four to six. Uh, cheaper than what it has been, but still an active market. Tell everybody how to get a hold of you for next week's sale at Three Rivers. 361-813-6650 is my cell. 361-786-2553 is the office. LiveOakLivestock.com is the web. Thank you, Riley. Thank you, Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Thank you, listeners. I'm Larry Marble. I like this program so much, I guess I'll do it again for you tomorrow. Good day. Thanks, Larry. Back over to the futures market now. Where lean hogs closed mixed Wednesday. The nearby October was up 67 cents, 89.37. December hogs down 42 at 75.82. Class three milk was mixed. Also, the nearby September down a penny, 1987. 100 weight. October milk up 52 cents, 21.81. 100. The cotton market managed to eke out some slight gains. We saw the Dow Jones make a bit of a recovery after the big drop earlier this week. Also, we had a bit of a pullback on the value of the dollar. That helped out the cotton trade as well. And traders keeping an eye on what Hurricane Ian may do to that southeast cotton crop. December cotton up 40 points to close at 88.49. March cotton up 46, 85.85. Corn market finished slightly higher. December corn up three cents at six seventy and a half. March corn up three and three quarters, six seventy six and a half. Another day of gains in the wheat market as the escalation in the Russia-Ukraine war continues to support wheat prices. Recently, Russian President Putin threatened to use nuclear weapons, started drafting more Russians into the military. So all of that ramping things up and making the wheat trade a bit nervous. December Kansas City wheat up 32 and three quarters, 976 a bushel. December Chicago wheat up 31 and three quarters at 903 and a quarter. In the energy markets, November natural gas was up 25 cents at 701. November crude oil up 358 at 8208 a barrel. The financial markets did bounce back a bit on Wednesday. The Dow was up 639 points at 29,774. The Nasdaq up 254 points, 11,083, while the S&P was up 84 at 3,731. That wraps up our look at the markets and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. My name's Kerry Martin. Hope to see you back here next time as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the U.S. of A, Texas agriculture. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.